And welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. In the conversation about energy, most of us have an idea of how oil is drilled and the possible effect on the environment with the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico vividly in our memory. But what about fracking? a method of using water and pressure to extract natural gas, we here at An Organic Conversation could not explain in detail how that was done and what the dangers entail for the environment and for communities across the country. And so we decided to dedicate this hour to exploring the world of fracking. What the frack? The unnatural process of natural gas production. Our topic today with T.R. Leppard's an organizer from Food and Water Watch, a watchdog group in Washington, D.C., who is joining us here today, actually, in this studio. We host Helga Helberg. Mark Mulcahy. And Sita Rani Palomar. Exciting to have Tia in the studio with us. We've had Food and Water Watch on the show a few times mm -hmm. in the past. I didn't actually realize they had people locally, so this is going to be great to speak with her one-on-one. -on -one. And moving on from something that is somewhat unfamiliar to us, the topic of fracking, to something that is familiar to all of us, us singing. The three of us <laughs> are all eating, singers. Eating produce. No. We also we do that on a regular <laughs> basis. Singers, but yeah. we are all singers. And there was a really interesting article that's talking about some research being done in London and Sweden about the health benefits of singing. There's some new research out there to suggest really? that singing may help <laughs> you live longer. They're saying things like the process of singing helps to increase the oxygenation of your bloodstream, that it's good for decreasing stress, and that it also, they, they said that the heart rates of the singers slowly beat as one. They become synchronized as they perform together. Aww. Isn't that sweet <laughs> and true, really? There's actually here in San Francisco, Francisco, a study being conducted by researchers at UCSF, the University of California, San Francisco branch. And what they're specifically doing is they've pulled together the, a group of seniors because they're curious whether or not it does increase, increase life expectancy, but also the process of singing can help with shortness of breath. And they also believe that singers are more balanced because senior singers have fewer instances of falling. Yeah, maybe even memory loss, because um, if you need to remember the lyrics, anything you do to train your, your brain, but it helps them not to fall, really. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I know. They, they don't know if amazing. it means that they have stronger lower body strength, maybe from standing. I'm not really sure, because the, the research is happening right now as we speak. But this is really exciting as singers ourselves. We've been doing it for a long time, that we can look forward to a long life. And also, just to encourage people, um, Helga, I don't want to steal what you were going to say, but it's sticking with me since pre-production about the benefits of doing things you love. No, Mark. Mark is a singer. I just saw him perform. I am a singer. I yeah. do get to do that it's some time back. quite amazing just to be able to do that be in a band just be in that situation or just to sing and you know one of the other things that was in that report that you didn't say is it actually makes you feel sexier and actually makes you appear sexier yeah you, you oh i, I confirm that, that with in you. a heartbeat in a heartbeat that's what i felt like am i am i glad to have a show with that guy yeah and when i <laughs> before before I sang in a band, I used to, I mean, I, I've, I've sang all my life, whether it was just on a street corner, just walking around, you know, and when I was a produce manager, I actually became known as the singing produce man in the community. And because every day I'd be out on the floor and I'd be stocking oranges or something and I would be singing. And I realized that even in the most mundane job and even in the most, the day that you weren't feeling all that great, starting to sing changed my whole perspective on how I felt about the world around me. And that was just humming a tune or singing a song or something like that. It was, it was really quite something. It's sweet that it seems like science is now catching up that with everything we do and we love, like playing, right? There are studies out that, that, that say now if you play half an hour a day, um, you know, real games or just in the garden, it, it, it has direct health effects. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, you know, if, you, if you dance, 
-hmm. people know that you know from cardiovascular really physical to of course the mental aspect as health is connected to the mind body and spirit but now it's singing it's it's just lovely to know that everything that brings us joy is actually physically good for us who knew <laughs> well our <laughs> bodies do all along exactly <laughs> we kind of knew thanks science for oh <laughs> for catching up body wisdom <laughs> yeah, yeah I love that's it. great I thank love you it. sita um, you are with An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And our topic today is what the frack, the unnatural process of natural gas production with a great guest and organizer from Food and Water Watch, uh, a watchdog group in Washington, D.C. And um, Tier Leopards is um, their organizer. She's actually joining us in the studio in just a few moments. But before we dive into our topic of the day fully, as always, here is Sita Rani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita and her holistic bite. Well, today I want to talk about how to travel healthfully. It's that time of year. We are getting in our cars to drive to see family. We're getting on planes to go and see friends. And this is a time when we may not be thinking quite as much about our own health and well-being. And we are also not thinking about strengthening our immune system. And there are some things that we can do that don't take that much preparation to make sure that you have a really healthy holiday despite all of the traveling and all of the other people you may come in contact with who may or may not be willing to pass their flu on to you. So something to think about if you're in the car. It's so easy to stop and get junk food while you're driving because you didn't think ahead to take anything. And I respect the fact that there isn't a lot of time before you rush out of the house to visit a family during the holidays to make yourself a sandwich. But there are things that you can take that, that hardly take any effort to throw in a bag. And you can make sure that you eat well and keep your immune system up and keep your blood sugar balanced by putting some whole wheat wraps or tortillas in your car taking an avocado. You don't even need to make guacamole. You can have avocado and just scoop it out while you know while you're sitting in the passenger seat. You can take nut butters, you can take hummus. These are really easy things. They're not that messy. You can have them in the car and you can make sure that you're fed well while you're traveling. Another thing to think about is when you go on the plane because we've got to think about bringing liquids. We've got to think about particularly how much space we have in our little plane seat. One thing that I found that I enjoy a lot when I'm on the plane. I'm a vegetarian. So a lot of the snacks and the sandwiches and things that they offer on the in-flight meals don't work for me. But if they have a fruit and cheese plate, that usually will do the trick. It'll give me some protein. It'll give me some fruit. It'll give me some nuts and seeds because they're usually good, good fats along with that. And it's usually pretty expensive because all of those things are marked up at a premium. It doesn't take much for you to throw a wedge of brie or a little bit of cheddar into your bag. And then when you get to the airport, you can pick up nuts. You can pick up pretzels to go along with hummus if you decide to bring some hummus with you to the airport. Bring one staple. And then you can pick up the other things out of what's there at the airport. But if you rely on the airport for everything, you're going to make compromises. You're going to get a cheeseburger. You're going to get a 15 million calorie latte. There are lots of things that don't take a lot of effort to pack. Something else that I recommend doing is you know, a lot of the dressings that they have at the airport, they're, they're filled with soybean oil and MSG and all of these things that you don't want to be eating. You could make it a habit of keeping one small, you know, travel size liquid container filled with extra virgin olive oil. Keep that in your bag, grab a lemon before you leave the house, and then you've got organic olive oil and lemon juice that you can put on any salad greens that you get while you're at the airport. And then my last two tips, which are not so much specific food related, but are really good to help you stay healthy while you're traveling, particularly on the plane. Wear a scarf. Yes, applies to men as well, because your scarf can be unrolled to be used as a blanket so you don't get cold on flights that are pumping a lot of AC, because you want to make sure that you stay warm enough, and you can use your scarf if they don't provide blankets. Another thing you can do, and I love this for at home and for when I travel, and that's to purchase grapefruit seed extract. This is an amazing immune builder. It's also fantastic at helping you fight off anything that you catch. And so if you take these little bottles of grapefruit seed extract with you, they're below the liquid limit, totally fine to take on a plane. 
put about 15 drops in a bottle of orange juice because it masks the bitter flavor that you would otherwise get from grapefruit seed extract. And you can drink that kind of like a tonic to keep you healthy and to fight off anything that comes your way while you're traveling. So I hope that these inspire you to think even just an extra five minutes ahead before you leave the house and get into your transportation to go visit your loved ones. Keep yourself healthy so you can enjoy that time together. And that was this week's Holistic Bite. Great. Thank you, Sita. Wow, Marg, you travel nonstop throughout the country as a consultant to natural food stores. Um, does any of this sound familiar? What is your I way bring, to not I, get sick? I mean, you're so exposed to you know people and planes and airports. And, and they told me to stop everything. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, we told <laughs> you to stop that actually too. <laughs> um, well, actually, a lot of uh, Sita's tips. We've had this conversation before, and um, is I take almonds. I take a little bit of some sort of protein, usually a nut, because that's really easy to carry. I always have a piece of fruit in my bag, chocolate, of course. Um, I carry, I carry, I don't carry grapefruit, grapefruit seed extract, but I do carry mm -hmm. some immune builder that I can just pop what drops in my water. A couple of the really tips that really changed for me, along with because those are all fantastic. You mentioned time. And many of us ha don't have the concept of time quite down to what it really takes to do what we need to do. And with that, so I've, mm -hmm. I've actually given myself much more time to get to my place. That way the stress level doesn't go up. And Sita, you've brought this up before in Holistic Bite about how stress can weaken or compromise your immune system. So you leave late, you're with somebody, you're not going to be on time. That creates that stress level. And so just recognizing what the real time is could make a huge difference in all your travel, wherever you go, whether it's plane or car. And then two other things that I do that have made a big difference for me are I wash my hands a lot when I'm in airplanes. I'm not excessive, but, you know, when I'm ever aware of it. And I also make sure I stick with my exercise routine. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. made a huge difference. Nice. And I'm talking getting in at 11 and being tired, but at least going down in the pool and swimming a couple laps or at least stretching or something like that. And it's made a big difference because it changes my whole mental perspective on travel, mm -hmm. right? It kind of gets me back into, okay, I'm in my body again. I'm here. This is a comfortable routine for me. Yeah. Wonderful. Good point. Exercise. Um, when I travel, I often travel to Europe to see my family in Germany, and that's a 13-hour flight. It makes such a difference when you're, you're already tired when you land, but if I get that 20 minutes of stretching in, doing a few you know, yoga postures before my first night at that new place, it just makes a difference for the next two days. It's amazing. You sleep better. It's, it's amazing that, that I'm still, after that much travel, I'm not aware of how much I store. I just know it now mm -hmm. that my body is so good, good in coping, you know, in dealing um, how exhausted I actually am and how, what it does when you sit for 13 hours, more or less, right, even if you walk around in the cabin. Um, we have an amazing threshold, most of us, to not really notice the impact of what it does until two days later when you do get down. And so knowing that now is, you know, can be a mental decision of washing your hands more, stretching before you sleep after a flight. And yeah, wonderful. Um, great. Thank you. We're all travel with this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Sita. Um, our topic in this episode is what the frack the unnatural process of natural gas production. And we have an expert on the topic who organizes activists around this issues and other issues and puts pressure on our politicians to put policies in place accordingly. And that's Tia Leppertz from the Food and Water Watch out of Washington, D.C., who's actually able to join us here in the studio today. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. 
Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Okay. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this episode is What the Frack? The Unnatural Process of Natural Gas Production. And with us here in the studio, studio from the Food and Water Watch out of Washington, D.C., is the San Francisco Bay Area organizer, Tia Leppertz, who has been on the show previously in other topics and will help us demystify the idea of fracking, what it is and what it does. Uh, Tia Thanks for joining us today. Thanks it's for having so me. It's so great to have you. <laughs> We're really happy to have you. We're yeah, such big fans in. of Food and Water Watch. You guys do incredible work, work, and it's so educational. So thank you for making the time to come to the studio. Thank you. And, uh, you know, Tia, the interesting thing here was we were sitting around, you know, and our associate producer, Kristen, was saying, you know, we should do something on fracking. You know, and we were going, yeah, let's do it. We kept kind of moving it around on the schedule and stuff. And then finally we, we were in there and we one day we were guys going, well, you know what? I have to really admit I'm up on so many things uh, about the environment and about our effect on the planet and fracking stuff. And I said, one of it. I really don't know what fracking is. I've kind of heard a few things. I've kind of, you know, there's been, a, you know, little odds and ends that I thought I knew what it was. And so... We figured, okay, we need to start with some basic stuff. What is fracking? You right? actually came up with the name, right? Yeah, what the yeah, frack? What the frack? Yeah, what the frack? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's like, and, and so I thought, if I don't know, and Helga and Sita don't know, and we're always, and we live in this world, sure. it's like, maybe there's a lot of other of us that don't know either. So what? what's fracking? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for having me on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the show as well. Yeah. So um, happy you. to be here, and hopefully we can get to the bottom of this whole fracking mess. And it's a long way down. It's, it's miles <laughs> down. So, um, so um, I'll start with the very basics of what sure, fracking is. Sure. Fracking is the process of taking millions of gallons of water, mixing it with sand and tens of thousands of gallons of chemicals, and injecting it in extreme pressure deep underground at targeted rock formations in order to release oil and natural gas. Okay. So that is... Nothing about that sounds... Natural. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> what kind of chemicals are we talking? So we're talking about carcinogenic chemicals. We're talking about things like benzene and lead. Um, we, we don't know all of the chemicals that are used in the fracking process um, due to proprietary okay. information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not privy to that. But what we do know um, is the chemicals that we, are, we do know that are happening include things like benzene and lead. And then on top of that, going, you know, so... Again, this is going back to the kind of technical side of it, but uh, the targeted rock formations are very deep. So this is different than conventional um, drilling. So this when you say deep, what is, I mean, what's deep? Up I to mean, three miles down. Oh, And okay. then a horizontal leg can go up out to two miles. So we're going down three miles and over two miles. So we're using, you know, upwards of five, seven million gallons of water per well. Why would, would people decide to <clears throat> use the method of fracking over just drilling? Because it's too deep? or Sure. So I think as well, we cheaper? are, <laughs> well, we are um, scraping the bottom of the barrel right now for our fossil fuels. Uh-huh. So we see this through tar sand mining, mountaintop removal. Fracking is another form of extreme energy extraction. So we are going after this previously unthought of uh, oil and gas that's so it's Deposit, ti- yeah, right. and it's a tightly held down deep so low. So this is new technology that's allowing us to to get it, but it's you know, in my opinion, far too dangerous. Um, I don't think fracking can be done safely, um, and I don't think it has any place. And fracking yeah. is actually, it's its kind of a, I don't want to say nickname, but a shortened name of the full name, which is hydraulic fracturing, Correct. right? Because they're using a liquid mixture to fracture this bedrock in order mm-hmm. to release the gas. Just mm-hmm. like a leg would fracture, right? Really, that's where it comes, hydraulic, yeah. using water and pressure and chemicals and sand to break 
the microscopic pores of a certain rock formation to release the gas, which then what rises to the surface? Or how is it actually yes. harvested? So then it comes back up. Um, and, and we're talking about gas, but... A different well? It comes up the same well. So okay. it goes down the well bore, and then it rushes back up. About 40 to 60% of the liquid comes back up, um, which is a whole other issue, because then we have toxic wastewater. Which we'll get to. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Which we will get to. Uh, so, And then I also just want to point out that we're talking a lot about gas right now, but in California, for example, we're fracking for oil. So we're using this technology to also harvest oil, tight oil that's also deep down in, in um, the earth. I had no idea. I had no idea that they were using the same process to get two different products, one being the natural gases and two being mm-hmm. oil. Both are used for energy So production. then the oil would come up, gas comes up through that drilled line, and then, but also oil, what they're doing in California, oil is coming up through the water. Mm-hmm. Through, through the through the well, through the yeah, well. through the pipe. Well, and actually, that brings up an interesting question, um, and I may be getting my, ahead of myself here, but you gave us a really great map that we'll make sure to share on our blog for people to take a look at. But the map shows all of the fracking sites across mm-hmm. the country, and one thing that we noticed when we looked at it was that I don't think I saw anything in California that they considered was a fracking site. Is that because in California we're doing it for oil as opposed to natural gas? If the map that I think you're talking about is the shale, um, where the shale plays are, mm-hmm. y- if you look at California, there are shale plays. Okay. Um, the biggest one is called the Monterey Shale, and it goes, it's around the Central Coast and down Santa Barbara and Los Angeles, and there's an estimated 15.5 billion barrels of oil. Um, but really, throughout the country, reserves. looking at that map, it's like the entire Northwest, sure. uh, Northeast, Northeast, yeah. the Central U.S. Where, where in the country is it? A very, very common practice at this point. Mm-hmm. So um, the Marcellus Shale, which is um, in Pennsylvania largely, it goes up into New York. New York has a moratorium on fracking, so they're not fracking there. Pennsylvania has been overrun with fracking operations recently. Um, I just moved back from Michigan. They're fracking in Michigan. And then we see a ton happening in places like North Dakota, um, Texas, Colorado, um, big oil and oil and gas producers, but it is based on where these shale deposits are. And are are those operations because mm-hmm. there's like five hundred thousand wells right around the country from you know just some of the little bit of the research I was mm-hmm. doing, and so they're a mixture of gas and oil. It depends. It depends on the the formation that you're targeting. Okay. So in places like North Dakota, mm-hmm. um, there is oil. Okay. And but natural gas will also come up. Okay. Uh, oh. However, when, when they're harvesting oil, the natural gas isn't profitable, so they'll just burn off the natural gas right there on site. Okay. Um, and that contributes to... That's when you to, see the little flame. Yes, okay. that's the, the flaring. So they'll okay. flare the natural gas mm-hmm. um, and, and keep the oil, and then the oil what happens, transported. What happens to the water and the chemicals? Um, and we want to get into really the environmental impacts, yeah. but just uh, you know, physically, what, when that comes up, and you said two-thirds or so get washed up again or come to a higher... Uh, you know, soil level, um, where do they go? What, what, how can they be neutralized? And can you repeat how much water is used in one fracking location? You said it right at the beginning. Sure, yeah. Uh, generally, I would say around 5 million gallons of water is the average per well. Per well. Yeah. Per year? or uh, per, per extraction. Per, fra- per extraction. Uh-huh. Um, wells can be fracked multiple times. Um, and so... Five million gallons. Five and then million gallons. Five and million that water, water. So the, the big thing and, and something that I really makes me angry about fracking is that, um, you know, a, a lot of industries use water, the ag- agriculture, for example. Sure. Um, however, this water is returned to the water cycle. Mm-hmm. With fracking, this water is permanently removed from the water cycle because not only is it contaminated with those, you know, over 700 chemicals, carcinogenic, but also when you go that deep down into the earth, there are naturally occurring radioactive materials um, that will come back up. And so this wastewater that's coming up is really toxic. So there's a couple of different ways that our country deals with wastewater. Um, giant pits are one. Mm-hmm. So just putting the wastewater into pits. Um, storage tanks are another. And then a big one that is a big concern for the environment, but also for our communities, um, are wastewater injection wells. So this is the process of injecting that water back down into the ground. Um, to dilute it. To, yeah, to deep down, you know, so that it will hopefully stay deep down underground. Um, we're we're <laughs> speaking with Tia Leppertz and uh, our 
episode for this week, What the Frack, the Unnatural Process of Natural Gas Production here in an organic conversation. Um, more on the environmental impacts of fracking when we come back after the break. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. NextSpace brings together a professional, collaborative workspace with a warm, supportive community. It's a place where you can do your very best work. And now, NextSpace is introducing NextKids, a workspace that also provides great on-site child play care. Hi, I'm Diana Rothschild, founder and chief mom of NextKids. We believe that you can be a better parent and produce better work when you seamlessly integrate work and life. We're better together. Join this conversation at nextkids.us. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Okehi. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this week's episode is What the Frack? The Unnatural Process of Natural Gas Production. With us in the studio, actually, is Tia Leppert's organizer for Food and Water Watch, uh, Washington, D.C.-based um, watchdog organization that organizes around many, many different issues, not just fracking. Um, luckily for us, or unfortunately, we have to, but, um, but you are integrating politicians in your work, activists, um, fracking just being one of the areas you're working on. What, mm -hmm. what else are you working with right now? Um, so Food and Water Watch, our mission is that we believe everyone should have, we work to make sure everyone has access to safe, sustainably produced food and clean publicly owned water. Um, and so across the nation, we're working on a host of different campaigns from keeping water systems publicly owned in places like St. Louis and Detroit. Um, stopping fracking has obviously been a huge issue that we've been working on. And on the food side, uh, we believe that everyone should, has the right to know what they're eating. So we work very passionately for labeling of genetically engineered foods. And we also work to address the corporate consolidation of our food system through policies like the Farm Bill. Um, and then also... <laughs> because we work on so many issues, uh, factory farming. So addressing factory farming um, across the nation and antibiotic use in those farms. A wonderful organization. You can learn more at foodandwaterwatch.org. I'm and there like every week. <laughs> and interesting that, of course, many, if not most, if not all, challenges that we face as a society from obesity to environmental challenges, health, um, environmental health, personal health, community health, um, comes down to the way we treat our soil and food production, and of course, water issues. So it's interesting, food and water basically encapsulates all of life, right? If you have food and water and both is clean, most problems would just go away. But unfortunately, they are not clean. And um, this episode is dedicated to understanding the process of hydraulic fractioning of earth crusts three miles down to extract gas and oil deposits that were otherwise um, out of reach. It's called fracking, or in this case, what the frack, um, in, the, in our episode. And you explained how it's done. Oil, oil and gas is extracted by putting pressurized water and sand and a bunch of chemicals to kind of break the Earth's crust deep down and, and lure out or extract that oil or gas deposit, or in some, some cases, both. And bring it in through the same well that then pumps it up. Um, five million gallons per extraction process of water is being chemically um, polluted, which then has to be taken out by the company and put into um, contaminated water pits, yes, or mm -hmm. sometimes yes. put into the aquifer again for dilution. Um, who is overseeing any of that? I know fracking is not part of the Safe Food and Water Act, in the country, so they don't have to comply with any Safe Drinking Water Act regulations. Who is overseeing fracking, sure. the safety of chemicals, et cetera? It's <laughs> a big question. Um, I will just say, <laughs> Other just than to food clarify, and water watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, to, ooh, just to clarify, um, it's not, the wastewater is not being injected into aquifers, it's being injected below aquifers in the hopes that it stays deep down. Just want to make sure. So that it the great. hope is to hide it all together so yes. it never, ever returns to face its 
punishment. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's consequence. Thanks for clarifying that. Yes, yes. but you do bring up a, a very important um, part of this whole process, which is um, oversight and who has it. Um, the oil and gas companies have been very successful at using their influence on our politicians to get exactly what they want. So as you mentioned, they, they have exemptions in the Safe Drinking Water Act, the Clean mm-hmm. Water Act, and the Clean Air Act, key provisions in those. Um, and a lot of the regulation has been pushed to states. Um, the federal government has pushed it to each state in order to regulate these highly destructive um, processes. And you were saying New York has a moratorium, New York State, right? Correct, yeah. On what grounds? Why, what, why did they decide that? Um, their governor, uh, Governor Cuomo, has has been holding a moratorium on fracking pending uh, full environmental and public health mm-hmm. reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for Food and Water Watch, though, this talk about regulation is hard because we look at the facts and we look at the best available science, and it's very clear to us that fracking cannot be done safely. So all of the regulations in the world would would still leave us unprotected yeah. because of the just inherent dangerous nature of it. So, Mark... Speaking of that, yeah. Yes, yeah, speaking of that, you have seen the film Gasland, Gas which is a mm-hmm. documentary mm-hmm. on fracking. I would love for you to share what you saw and what that brings up for you in this interview. Well, it was, first of all, it was startling. And secondly, um, you know, when we talked about, they talked about there being a thousand documented cases where a community's well water was um, polluted, uh, contaminated. Right? Those are just the documented cases, and so that might be part of the reason that New York is looking at some of this stuff. But literally where uh, water, some people would turn on their taps and methane gas would come out because there's like, what, 17 times or something like that more methane in the, in the community wells than there is when there's fracking nearby than when there isn't. And so can you literally imagine turning on your faucet and that gas would come out? You could actually light your water or your, or your gas in this case might be an efficient way to cook because you could clean and cook without ever using your stove <laughs> but um but i mean what is what is the effect on the communities that were fracking in pennsylvania and new york and north dakota and in here in california where fracking is a it has become part of the normal landscape mm-hmm. so i think i'll start by just saying that our opposition to fracking and, and all of this, it's not just an opposition to frac- fracturing the rock, sure. right? It's this whole industrial process that has impacts on communities from the beginning to the end. So communities in Iowa that are dealing with the sand mining for the silica sand that they use. Um, oh, to actually use for the fracking. Yes, to actually uh-huh. use uh-huh. to, you know, the, the transporting to the actual communities that have the rigs in it and are dealing with localized air and water pollution, mm-hmm. all the way to the you know communities that are refining the oil. For example, here in the Bay Area, Richmond, we have a refinery right here. Um, and so all along the fracking process, we see impacts to communities. So it's a very loaded question. Um, so I'll start with water because that's okay. what we were talking sure. about. Sure. Um, and yeah, so we're seeing um, water contamination is a big issue. Um, and we have these pictures of, you know, cows on the meadow having died from the off yeah. gas of, or leach fields or whatever mm-hmm. has occurred there within the context of fracking where the, the toxicity went up so high that they either passed out or died. Has that really occurred or is that? Yeah, is absolutely. That um, there, so agriculture. Organic conversation. Let's talk about agriculture a little bit with <laughs> fracking and, and how they, yes. they interplay. But um, so we've seen, for example, in California, I think it was 96 billion um, gallons of wastewater, might have been a million, a ton of wastewater um, spilled on an almond orchard. And a farmer lost a ton of their crops because mm. it was contaminated. In places in Pennsylvania and Louisiana, we've seen cattle that have been exposed to this wastewater and have died, or um, in some cases, you know, half of the cattle exposed passed, and then they, the ones that did produce, their offspring died. So it's, it's, we're talking about really, really toxic chemicals that we're introducing into our environment in the hopes that the water isn't going to migrate. Um, water migrates, water flows, water, yeah, (laughs) it's a fluid. Um, And so uh, to think that we can control this and and really do it safely, I think is a total 
lie. <laughs> um, so we're almost out of time, but this is so engaging. And um, just to, is there any environmentally sound method that you know um, of extracting natural gas from the earth? I think the, the idea that we need to keep extracting natural gas and oil for our energy is kind of a false solution to mm -hmm. the problems that we're facing. Mm -hmm. So I think that we, we should be aggressively investing in energy efficiency and in renewable energy right now, rather than scraping the bottle, bottom of the barrel so that the oil executives can make a profit and keep us further hooked on these fossil fuels. But if you compare your drilling for natural gas versus fracking for natural gas, is one, you know, and from an environmentally sound point, a better choice, or are they both as environmentally devastating? I think drilling and fracking both carry environmental problems, especially when we look at the local communities that surround these operations. Um, and then if we look at it on a global scale, if we talk about climate change, I really don't think that, and that could be a whole other uh, sure, episode. Yes. It could um, be. It however, is. both, it will you know, be. any <laughs> consumption of these fossil fuels are greatly contributing to climate change, which is, you know, a huge issue that will affect us all and, and the environment. Great. Thank you, Tia. That's yeah. Tia Leppertz, the organizer for Food and Water Watch in the San Francisco Bay Area, foodandwaterwatch.org for more information on this and many other topics regarding food and water production or use. Um, again, foodandwaterwatch.org in our episode this week, What the Frack, the Unnatural Process of Natural Gas Production. Thanks for coming Thanks in today. For Great Thanks to have so much you. for having me. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark McKay. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And um, yeah, we will take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Life's a game, and so is work. And just like any game, sometimes your team is in a slump. Maybe it's a new team. Maybe there's conflict. Maybe you're under pressure to keep up with your own success. Whatever it is, it is time to get your game face on. The ultimate game of work combines game design with executive coaching to create high-engagement workplaces. Boost your team's creativity and performance by designing the game you want to play and win together with the ultimate game of work. Enticed? Learn more at ultimategameofwork.com. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And our guest in this episode was Tia Leppertz from Food and Water Watch as we are looking at fracking, what the frack, the unnatural process of natural gas production this week on an organic conversation. Fascinating interview. She was so articulate. And there's so much more to this discussion. And of course, there always is. But she just kept unpacking all of these layers. One of the things that I love so much about Food and Water Watch is how well-versed they are in these topics. So if you want to self-educate, which you should, <laughs> go to foodandwaterwatch.org. Something that's great about not just the fact that they present so much information is they prevent some action items. So something that I like to make a habit of doing is going to visit foodandwaterwatch.org, taking a look at what items they say, these are things you need to speak with your congressmen and women about right now. And they have pre-filled out forms. You can... You can send them out to your representatives and let them know what doesn't work for you, why it doesn't work for you. Make your voice heard. Be a part of your democracy. Be a part of the solution. And something else I love, in addition to Food and Water Watch, on this topic of fracking, Gasland, the movie, created a site that's called dangersoffracking.com. What is so great about this site is that the, the, the web designer kind of did it as an animation, as if you were playing a video game. You walk through the process of fracking with all of these, like the, the trucks that are bringing the water and the drill that's going down and all of the chemicals that are going in. But it's very interactive and it's very engaging and it, it solidifies the picture of what's happening here so that you can and you cannot help but, but know what's going on and what the concerns are. So dangersoffracking.com is another great site to take a look at so you can be well understood, be well informed on this issue. And 
on that particular site that you're bringing up, it's it, there's not a lot of words. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. have to read big long articles. You don't have to you know delve it's in all pictures. You're well, the truck. Well, well, you're the water. Well, you're mm-hmm. well. It shows it shows all those things, mm-hmm. but it's like you know, like maybe 25, 50 words that you have to read, and probably not even that much on each topic. You know that this many trillion, 72 trillion gallons of water are being used for fracking every year that they don't get back, right? Like mm-hmm, like Tia mm-hmm. was talking about. Another great thing when you were talking about being active and what Food and Water Watch giving you some information on this was there is something that's being proposed right now. It's the Frack Act. Frack Act. Frack Act. And what, and what they're trying to do is to have the companies who frack disclose the chemicals they are using so that they can't use them as proprietary information and they're trying to make it so that fracking is no longer exempt from the Safe Water Drinking Act that you brought up earlier, Helga. Mm-hmm. So those two things, ask your representatives about the Frack Act. Which and, su- you can- and to support it, of course. I mean, when you, when you get engaged with your Congress representatives at Congress or at the House, um, absolutely. You know, it's 10 minutes a week. And as far as I know, Congress is back. <laughs> from their little timeout mm-hmm. last month. Mm-hmm. So spend 10 minutes a week and, yeah, put your name on one or two of those letters that are already pre-written and support, in this case, the, what is it called? Frack Act. Frack Frack Act. Act. Like what the For Frack more Act. disclosure um, by um, energy companies and no longer exclusion of the Safe Drinking Water Act. Nothing should be excluded from the Safe Drinking Water Act. I think that's why Food and Water Watch is, is, is such a great organization. You know, who really focuses on water? It's so it seems like so simple and still our our um, right, but it's it has become a privilege for many. Many people don't drink clean water here in the country or around the world. So of course, water is a big issue. Well, thank you again. That's foodandwaterwatch.org. And we are also now streaming on TalkStream Network. Um, you can listen to us on many, many stations throughout the country. For a listing, go to anorganicconversation.com or facebook.com um, forward slash anorganicconversation. <laughs> Months later, I'm still, which one is first? Facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation or talkstreamnetwork.com if you want to see Mark's produce shirts. Um, and that's the perfect segue into um, today's What's in Season, season, the Mm -hmm. update of Mm -hmm. what's going on in the world of produce, fruits and veggies, um, the best tips around buying and purchasing. And Mark, what's in season this week? Well, what's in season is something that I think many of us... Oh, here's your music. Wait. (laughs) Okay, there we go. (laughs) Uh, You did a nice job playing that. Um, And uh, so today what we're talking about is we're getting into citrus time, right? It's the time of year where if you like citrus at all, it's all becoming available to you. And one of the, you know, one of the favorites around California and becoming around the country are satsumas. And as you're holding one right now, you're holding a really very, very small one. But I brought those just to illustrate what we're going to talk about today. And, of course, we've got Earl Herrick, the voice of the produce market from Earl's Organic in San Francisco, on with us to talk about Satsuma mandarins. Earl, are you there? I'm right here. How are you doing, Mark? Great to, great to have you on, Earl. Let's talk Satsumas. Well, well, you know, there's two seasons that are my favorite, stone fruit and early citrus. And the early citrus is because of satsumas. Mm-hmm. They herald the, 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 the coming of the citrus market. It is the first new citrus that comes out. It come, generally comes out a week or so before navels. And they ripen quicker. They get full flavor uh, very, very quickly. And they're almost immediately available for... Uh, and the, what I mean by that is navels come out and, and they're not really edible for a couple weeks. They, they breach the season too early. But mandarins, they reach their peak flavor in a week or two, and their season is pretty much November into the beginning of the new year. So what's the and season this, look like? Yeah, this, this year looks great. The, um, the blossom time was, was cool. Uh, it wasn't too windy, so, so the trees uh, got a lot of bee action, a lot of pollination action. The... Uh, the uh, the beginning of the fall, we haven't had a lot of uh, rain, hardly any at all, which 
you know, doesn't impact us favorably in the future, but right now it's great for this particular season. Because really, the biggest enemy of citrus is having rain during the harvest. It it can waterlog the trees, it it dilutes the flavor. So this year, you're going to have, we're having so far peak flavor, uh, high sugars, great flavor. It's, it's turning, it's, beginning is, is a great year and again we're really just entering it right now so earl on this so you're talking about that the conditions are just right so when mm-hmm. you're saying that we've got a peak flavor what's the crop look like large fruit small fruit pricing yeah. what are you seeing out there well with it with a favorable growing uh it, it developed a lot of fruit on the trees which we call a heavy set that means there's a lot of different there's a lot of fruit on the tree which means there's smaller pieces so it's oh. going to be good volume, smaller pieces, which I think the smaller the fruit, not, not that it's tiny, but small fruit is bigger than big fruit. It just has, I think the flavors get more concentrated. They're, they're more nice. intense. So you might not be seeing that big jumbo or mammoth satsuma out there, but you might be seeing smaller fruit with a much more intense flavor. Yeah, I think um, golf, golf ball size maybe a little bit bigger. Okay. You know, they're, they're characterized as really a bright, uh, shiny orange mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of a bump maybe mm-hmm. on the stem side. Mm-hmm. There are certain varieties that can be kind of flat. Both of those are very good. They're easy to peel. Um, and as they ripen, as the season continues, they go from a little bit of tart to sweeter to almost, I don't know, honey flavors. Well, they, they get... They get wonderful. Well, and Earl, you know, I brought in these just these really, they're more like ping pong ball size today. <laughs> I mean, they, they're, they're right. something that you wouldn't see in the Not market. Not easy to peel at all. Well, <laughs> so, so once yes. again, as Helga, as Helga's struggling this, as you're saying that they're easy. So um, the ones that I brought in today, you wouldn't even see in the marketplace. They wouldn't even make it to a store. They're that Correct. small. Um, well, but the well, normal fact, ones. You know, the grower brought those. Not the, not for me to sell, but for just for the uh, for for me to give out. Goes the ones that he is not packaging, correct? Mm-hmm. And plus, well, we and wanted to have Helga make it have it hard for him to peel. We yeah. do yeah. like Thank to you. see him Thank struggle. You very That's much. true. Yeah. Well, and Earl, I know that this is one of your most favorite pieces of fruit. The yeah. whole year, when you told me it was Satsuma season, I just mm-hmm. about jumped out of my skin. I was mm-hmm. so excited, and. It's because it's so sweet and tart simultaneously. It's like an explosion yeah. of flavor. Mm. Mark, is there any secret to wow. picking a really exceptionally flavored satsuma? Yeah, ask your produce guy if you can taste one. Yeah. <laughs> You're well, absolutely yeah. right. You're absolutely right. And Earl's already told you that this is a good season and that the flavors come on early. Wow, yes. And so that tells you something. I mean, you want a nice bright skin. You don't want it to be a dull skin. Right, it's been sitting around probably if it's dull. You know, it can have a little bit of green on it because that could be the chlorophyll mm-hmm. still in the skin. But you really want to look for a full, bright uh, orange piece of fruit. Heavy for its size. <laughs> well, that's heavy for its size. Thank mm-hmm. you, Helga. You know, what's great about this segment now is that <laughs> now it. you know some of <laughs> oh these, my, some no of these tips kidding. and that you just – you could take this segment on. That's I love right. it. Um, so – so, Earl, and, and not only that, but right now between November, and you said the crop's early, Earl, so that, does that yeah. mean we might see the crop ending, like, maybe sooner in January than later in January? So, like, maybe we've got, like, a three- or four- or five-week window of this crop? Well, it is the earliest season I've seen in over 20 years. This is by far wow. the earliest. Wow. And it will en- generally it will end earlier. Now, you know, that's that's generally speaking. So I think... By the first of the year, the best satsumas are going to be gone. And what I mean by the best is California is definitely the predominant grower, and they're grown anywhere from San Diego area all the way up to north of Sacramento. And the best ones, I feel, are the ones that are north of Sacramento. They have the more chilling hours. They just produce better fruit. So um, those will be done by the end of December. So the peak really is with the two-week earlier. We're talking about probably mid-November through mid-December. That's going to be the peak where they are just whew, high, high sugars, wonderful nuance of flavors. And if it hasn't rained in your in that area, you're going to get fruit that will hold up on your on your dinner on your on your counter on your dining room table for 
you know, it could be a week or so. Sure. And mm-hmm. if it's not raining, I think we have a great year for an experiment. Because what I like to do, I leave mine out on the counter, and as they age, if they, as they sit there a couple days, again, if it hasn't been raining, so they're not waterlogged, so they're not going to decay. And what they do, they do get dull, and they actually wither a little bit as they dehydrate. And when you eat them like that, the, um, as, as they dehydrate, dehydrate just a little bit, the flavors concentrate, get more intense, and you have almost a different kind of piece of fruit then. You absolutely do, because it's definitely not as <laughs> nice. juicy. So, Thank you. Yeah, it's not as juicy, but, boy, it's, it's a very intense flavored um, piece of citrus. So well, maybe this is a year that we can experiment with that. Well, Thank you'll you. have to keep us updated on that experiment, Earl. Thank you so much for <laughs> being on. We appreciate every time that you're on. To, and these were amazing already. And yeah, thanks they're for very good right now. So go out and get some. Go out and get a bag full. So that was What's in Season this week. Uh, so great to have you on, or we'll have you on next week. Good. Thank great you. to talk to you. Thanks, thanks. Earl. Wow, this is all like the juiciness of those early ones and the honeys, like beautiful. Well, and I do have to just put out a little a little plug there because this is what I like to do. If you live in the San Francisco Bay Area and you can make it down to Earl's Organic Produce and buy a box of these, or a 10. big quantity at a time, I can eat these. I can eat like oh, yeah. 10 in a sitting or more. They are so delicious. They're so good for you because they're also packed with vitamin C. And at least what I do is I, I can store some of them in the refrigerator if I buy a lot of them. Sure, now, I don't know if sure. that's a good suggestion, yeah, sure. Mark. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to keep them for a long period of time, sure. Terrific. Fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Oh, well, that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. From the county fair and the rain came pouring down Me and Billy standing there with a silver half a crown Had the full-out fishing rod and the tackle on our backs We just stood there getting wet with our backs against the fence And it stung me to my soul Stung me just like jelly rolls And it stung me Yeah, it stung me to my soul Stung me just like going home Yeah, it stung me And the rain lit up And the sun came up we were getting dry Almost let a pickup truck Nearly pass us by So he jumped right in In the driver plan And he dropped us up the road Yeah, we looked at the swim And we jumped right in Not to mention fishing poles Oh, the water Yeah, that stung me to my soul Stung me just like jelly roll Yeah, that stung me Yeah, that stung me to my soul Stung me 